So today is Christ the King Sunday, and I'd like to to start this morning by talking a little bit about history. I'd like to to invite you to go back uh, to your high school history class to remember Louis XIV, who was also called Louis the Great or the Sun King. Now, Louis ruled from about 1643 to 1715. It's the longest rule ever by a a modern European monarch. And while he was king, he oversaw an immense centralization of power. During his his long reign, he, he initiated a process of dismantling feudalism, He consolidated the bureaucracy of his government in the capital, and he convinced many of the nobility to inhabit his palace in Versailles, which had once been a hunting lodge. And in doing so, he pacified the aristocracy. He essentially centralized power in himself, and France became the the leading European power during his time. And this enabled Louis to to fight three major wars and to grow immensely, immensely wealthy. Now, conveniently for Louis, he he held uh, onto a theology which said that uh, he believed in the divine right of kings, which is to say he believed that God had put him in his place as monarch and approved of him no matter what he did. It's rather convenient theology, actually. (laughs) But one of the things that Louis XIV is famous for saying that I think sort of captures this idea is, l'été c'est moi, right? I am the state. And while that statement might be a legend, it does sum up quite nicely the sense he had of his place in the world. Now, I bring up Louis XIV, not so much because it's History Day at St. A's, um, but because he is what I think we tend to think of when we think of kings, or at least successful kings. They are figures of power and control. They use their influence, whether it be through, through force or through violence or through persuasion to achieve their goals and exercise their domination over others. A king stands above others, and to the king's mind, others exist for him, to be used in in such a way as the king sees fit. And while we don't have kings in our country, we still think of kings in primarily this way. It's one reason why we don't have kings, right? And we do coronate kings in other areas of our life. For instance, Elvis Presley was called the king of rock and roll, right? (laughs) LeBron James, the basketball superstar, often calls himself King James. And he deserves it, let's let's be honest. (laughs) Charlie Hoover reminded me of a game that we probably many of us played when we were children called King of the Mountain right? Where we were at the top of the hill and we push other people down to prove that we were the king at the top. 
All of these are examples of folks sitting at the top of their field or their game looking down upon others. But if this is what we make of kings, how could we describe a failed king? Well, a failed king would be one who cannot hold power in the way I've described, whose will is not absolute, who is unable to exercise control over others sufficiently. And it's for this reason that it is no accident that as Jesus hangs from the cross in today's gospel reading, he has inscribed over his head the words, this is the king of the Jews. Like all executions, Jesus' execution is a political act. Here, meant to reveal the power of the Roman government over the occupied Jewish people. And the symbolism is clear if we read it through a political lens. Your aspirations for freedom and for self-rule are being crushed here with the humiliating death of this man, Jesus. In John's gospel, we actually get a conversation between Pilate and some of the, the Jewish religious authorities where the authorities ask Pilate to change the inscription to read, this man said he was king of the Jews, as opposed to merely reading, this is the king of the Jews. These religious authorities hope to make the execution less about the promotion of Roman power over the Jewish people. But Pilate responds by saying, I've written what I've written, thus displaying kingly power even though Pilate was only a governor. To the eyes of everyone, or almost everyone, Jesus is defeated here. He hangs upon a cross, an instrument of shame, painful and shameful death. And as he hangs there, he is being mocked by all those who have only a little, even a little inkling of power. The leaders of the people come up and they mock him, as do the soldiers who look to humiliate him further and to reveal just how powerless he has become. The leaders say, he saved others, let him save himself as he is the Messiah of God. The Roman soldiers laugh and taunt him. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself, they say. Which is to say, display your power, make it manifest. Do something to reveal who you are as a figure of power. To the eyes of most, as Jesus hangs there, this appears to be a complete and utter defeat. And even one of the men suffering the same fate as Jesus offers his derision. He says, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the eyes of the other person who's being executed, the other co-sufferer, become open. 
Perhaps it's because he hears Jesus forgive his executioners. But for whatever reason, something opens the criminal's eyes. He says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now stop a moment. And I want you to push away all that you know about the Christian story and the story of Jesus and and all the theology that you know. And just hear how seemingly absurd that statement is. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. This is said to a man who is dying on a cross. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Addressed to this one who appears to be utterly defeated. To this one who has been savagely beaten before he's been crucified. To this one who has been stripped of everything. Jesus has no power to give to the one who he might remember. But to hear the absurdity is also to hear the true power at work here. For Jesus' ability, his power rather, is not in his ability to control others. Rather, his power, his, his real power, the real power, is in the power to love, is in the power to forgive, is in the power to heal and to share and to be with the other and for the other. This scene of Jesus' crucifixion is deeply ironic. It's deeply ironic because it is precisely as Jesus is not saving himself that he saves others. He hangs on that cross so that he might save the criminal who opens himself up to Jesus in trust. But more than just that, he hangs on that cross so that he might save the criminal who mocks him and the soldiers who crucified him and the leaders who conspired against him. He hangs on that cross so that he might save loyal friends and enemies alike. He hangs on the cross for the sake of the people who we are told quietly stand by. You can almost miss that description of the people in the reading. Quietly standing by. It is here that we are given a different view of what true power is. Here we are given a different sort of king. Jesus, as king, subverts all the world's notions of what true kingship is and what true power is. Jesus saves not by virtue of his omnipotence, but rather by the virtue of his suffering with others and for others. If we are to accept the crucified one as king, then we can never quite relate to power in the same way again. For the earliest Christians, 
To say that Jesus Christ was Lord was to also say that Caesar was not Lord, at least not in any ultimate sense. And the same is true for us, of course. We must always be skeptical of those who look to consolidate power for their own gain. We must always remember that true power comes from service. And as such, Christianity must always be anti-authoritarian because authoritarian claims of power aim at usurping Christ's claim on us as Lord. God's authority subverts all other authorities. But God's power and God's authority is primarily made manifest on the cross. His power and authority is made manifest in mercy and in grace. His power is revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the one who suffers for us and with us. That is how divine power is made most manifest. So today we celebrate Christ the King Sunday last Sunday of the liturgical year. It is the day to look backward to the, to the suffering Messiah who came for us. It is a day to look forward to the fullness of God's kingdom yet to be revealed and yet to be fully realized. But in the meantime, in the meantime, This day is to remind us that we do indeed serve a king. We serve a king. Today is a day to remember that we serve a king whose power is made manifest not through coercion or violence, but rather through love rather through suffering with. Amen.